Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tisa Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Thomas. So we are also the podcast that's determined to instill weird habits in little children, apparently. This is good to hear. <laughs> so Rebecca Bowl texted message me on Facebook earlier today. And you've heard Rebecca Bull on this podcast before. I went to college, uni with her. She has a Tissa podcast, Baby. That's one of Julia's favorite stories, I think. And um, yes. she, t- <laughs> she texted me today. Matthew told his dad last night he was the worst. And when, t- when he asked him, where did you learn that? He said, Mama Special Elves. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 oh, you're transcending even the podcast <laughs> for our younger generations. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's only a matter of time before you're the worst should be turned into like a sticker or a t-shirt or something. I think so. I think that time might be now, actually. I think it's recognizable enough. You're the worst. <laughs> you know, you know who's recognizable <laughs> enough is Julia because <laughs> Again, Google used Julia's image for the Christmas podcast network for Tits the Podcast. <laughs> yes, everything you look up for Tits the Podcast just has Julia's shiny face. So, oh, gosh. Uh, probably a good call on Google's part. It is, but uh, it's weird to see all the other stuff like uh, Christmas Clatter doesn't have their logo. It's just Todd's smiley face, which I mean, I get. And uh, mm-hmm. Totally Red Christmas is just a black box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Too funny. Did y'all see the uh, Apple announcements today? No. I am so excited. I am ordering. I'm going to upgrade my iMac. Oh, yeah. I saw they're coming out in colors. I actually did see that part. They sure are. And they are beautiful. What color are you yeah. getting? Uh, I think I'm going to do the teal one. Ooh, teal. teal. That's cool. Like the dark green. Oh, I love that color. They're just so the pricing is 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 Apple decent. pricing. They, oh, no, it's decent. good. It's yeah. I mean, you get a one with the new M1 chip, fully loaded with eight cores, eight gig of RAM on board for like fourteen hundred bucks. Did they announce nice. anything about like new iPhones or anything? They, new iPads. Well, they've got. Ooh, they do what do they What do they coming. say about the new iPad? The new iPad is full. Well, the new iPad Pro is totally lit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christine was wanting a new iPad Pro for because I mean they're great for artists, right? You get the pencil. Yeah. Um, a lot of the artists we we have at the shop now 
do most of their artwork on the iPad. And she was wanting one. I told her, let's just hold off and see what they're going to have. And I am so glad we did. It's coming with the new M1 chip, which is a Apple designed, Apple built chip specifically for Apple products, which is absolutely amazing. The new, uh, the bigger iPad Pro comes with uh, 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 an XDR screen. So it's like super high res screen. And well, they, they even came out with new magic keyboard for it that looks pretty amazing. Ooh. Yeah, I'm looking at the website right now. It looks all I was what's funny is I was thinking about getting an iPad a few months ago and I was holding off, so I'm glad I did now. Yeah, it's I mean they're they're they the pros start at $799, but the M1 chip just makes it so much the, the graphics are faster, it's faster CPU, lower battery performance. It's what's it's um do they announce pricing for this yet? I'm scrolling on the website. I haven't seen it. Seven ninety nine for the eleven inch. The twelve point nine inch starts at nine ninety nine. But the twelve point nine inch has no. The twelve point nine has the liquid retina XDR display, which has like one million to one contrast ratio, literally. And when's it being released? Uh, you can but you can but you can order on April thirtieth, and they will be shipping mid May. I think I, I think I may have to do it. I well, I mean, if you get the honestly, if you get the if you get the magic keyboard, you basically have a laptop. Well, that's the thing. Like, I want something when I'm sitting on my, you know, on the couch at night, you know, that way I don't necessarily need my laptop to read the news or browse social media. And I want something bigger than mm -hmm. my phone. So I think that's perfect. And the cameras are legit, too. Like the uh, Ooh, two the camera, the two terabyte eighteen ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, but who needs a two terabyte iPad? That's insane. I guess if you're fully replacing your computer, but yeah, yeah the iPad sure. can now cost more than an iMac. A 12 megapixel camera, 10 megapixel ultra wide. Free personal engraving too, they're all free. <laughs> Gabe would need a two terabyte iPad for all of like his videos and I was about to say I could, probably use, an iPad. I could probably use a two terabyte if like I was traveling, like the amount of stuff I load on it for traveling. Mm -hmm. But I don't uh, know, at that point, I mean at that point, just take an external hard drive, right? Yeah, that's true. That's also true. Buy a two terabyte extra hard drive for 150 bucks with that and save a lot of money. So did y'all see Michael Keaton was officially confirmed for I The did. Flash this week? I did see that fact. I'm happy about that. And that a UK production uh, like car company, they build cars for UK movie productions. They posted an image, a very close-up image of a car, but it looks like the front of Keaton's Batmobile, something Ooh. they're working on. Uh-oh. Man, I love that Batmobile. That's, That's the like, best Batmobile. That's yeah, the iconic it's like Batmobile. the most iconic Batmobile to me. Are there any Batmobiles you don't like, though? Are any of them really bad? No, but there's some that I love, and his is what I love. I like his. the comic one with the super long hood, you know, the one that looks like... <laughs> Yeah, a 1978 I car. Yeah, I like that one too. Uh -oh, I like how now in I like how now in modern comics, they basically there's always an Easter egg in the back caves where you see every Batmobile throughout the years, including like the movie and TV ones, like in his cave. Mm -hmm. Those are cool. awesome. That's cool. Oh, so I plugged this Disney podcast on our social media earlier called Disorder Every Disney Film, which is an awesome podcast. Check it out. But I listened to their Toy Story episode today. Did you know, because he used to work, one of the hosts used to work with Disney and the Imagineering, like he builds theme parks for a living, that every time they get a customer satisfaction survey, 
where they ask people to rank Disney characters. And this is how they kind of decide what to add on to expansions on parks and things like that. Always. It's not Anna and Elsa. It's not Mickey Mouse. The Toy Story toys rank number one as favorite characters. And they say that's why you can go to any Disney park around the world. And there's always a big Toy Story attraction where that's not the case for a lot of other characters. It's because they resonate with people for some reason. I mean, I love them. Yeah, but. That's so yeah. interesting. I never would have thought that. No. He said, like, mm-hmm. every now and then, once a new movie comes out, it may be, like, the new movie for, like, a month. But then it'll mm-hmm. always go back to Woody and Buzz and the rest of them. Oh, my gosh. So they said, though, like, internally within the company, like, Disney views Woody as kind of, like, the Pixar version of Mickey Mouse. Like, he really launched that subset of the company. Yeah. So well, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I subscribed to that podcast because of what you'd posted, and I'm pretty darn excited to start listening to it. You will blow through them. Like they're yeah. long, they're long episodes, but like they got me, they get me through the work day. Like if you listen to podcasts yeah. all day at work, like you'll blow through them like that. Yeah, I'm super excited about it because once we return to the office, which is looking like it's going to be happening sooner rather than later at this point, start my lunch walks again. I'll need stuff to listen to, so I'm super excited. Yeah, you'll like that. Right, and Tom, he does friend. he does a Batman one too called Holy Batcast, which is really good. And he has a lot of awesome like comic creators and voice actors on there. He just had for the 300th episode uh, Ben Affleck's stunt double who did the big warehouse scene in Batman versus Superman, which is pretty awesome to listen to. Well, that's rad. Ooh. Yeah. Not so rad, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> the, <laughs> the film, the film, the television special we're covering tonight we are journeying back to the land to julia's favorite land of rankin bass to cover the 1968 television special the literal drummer boy its sequel came out in 1976 which is why i got confused you know i watched this today and after watching the derek Shavon verdict come in this film is not the most racist thing I've seen on, on my computer today. <laughs> so far, that title goes to the internet celebrities of Ben Shapiro and Tommy Loren. And Tucker Carlson. Also, Ben Shapiro, if you are listening to this podcast, I know you're always trying to debate people. I am more than happy to go up against you <laughs> on any topic. So, The Little Drummer Boy. Quick plot synopsis before we get into this thing. An orphan drummer boy who hated humanity finds his life changed forever when he meets three wise men en route to Bethlehem. It's the animated film version of the legendary song of a boy who lets out all his frustrations on a drum, little knowing how significant the drum will be in the birth of (laughs) newborn Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Such an overly <laughs> important plot synopsis. Let that drum have it. So, are you are y'all fans of the actual song? Not really. No. I love the song. The song it feels only- Christmassy. I don't love it, but it is definitely one of those songs that feels super duper Christmassy. If there's a way that you can have like a scale at which a Christmas song sounds Christmassy, this one, every time I heard it in this episode, I just was like, man, that's Christmas. 
Well, what's interesting is this song was first recorded in 1951 by the Trap Family Singers, a.k.a. the Trevon Trap Family. And the song was further popularized by a 1958 recording by the Harry Simeon Chorale. Harry Uh, Simeon Chorale, yes. Yes, which is, I think, one of the more famous versions of the song. So that's 1958. This came out in, what, 1968? So they (laughs) did not wait long before churning this special out. The song was also originally known as Carol of the Drum. Hmm. I like the song though. I like especially um, the Harry Simeon Chorale version and the Bing Crosby, David Bowie version, the Peace on Earth Earth version that everyone loves. How about we do our histories at this specific special? Julia, ladies first. Um, Okay, so this one had hints of familiarity, but like only just wisps of it, just wisps. Does this still get airplay somewhere? AMC, please. And so AMC has a better Christmas lineup in general than Freeform nowadays because they have the rights to more more things. But um, yeah, even before AMC took over all the Rankin Bass stuff, this did get airplay once or twice a year in Freeform. But AMC does play it multiple times along with the other ones now. Okay, so it's probably from that because I don't remember necessarily being a kid and having like kid ties to this one. Um, but it was it was familiar in ways that some of the other rank and bass are not familiar to me some of the other obscure ones that we've covered on here so um didn't hate it actually i will say as far as drinking and bass stuff goes this might be on the higher end of stuff for me we can dig into that later it's the lack of lsd less acid involved I've been looking forward to covering this one with Tom, especially to hear all the historical inaccuracies, <laughs> including the fact that he mentions going into the, go into the stable, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Tom, yeah, I, don't what's he- I don't, I don't know who this guy was going to see. I have no clue. <laughs> well, what's, your his- <laughs> what's your history, Tom? You know, I didn't have, uh, I don't have a real, a real memory of this. The animation looked familiar to me, or the, uh, the stop motion looked looked familiar to me. Nay, the claymation, controller listeners looked. Uh, no, looked it's familiar stop. To me. It's not clay. It's stop. It's, it's, it's stop motion. I, I said to troll our listeners because oh, we said claymation oh, before. Troll. Remember, <laughs> remember how many people got onto us about saying claymation with with uh, Jerry. Rudolph? Jerry. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> I know you said, Julia, that you don't hate it. I do. I <laughs> this is by far my least favorite Ooh. Rankin Bass we've watched, except maybe Frosty's New Year. Uh, it's terrible. It is absolutely terrible. The storyline is is dumb. We, we start at a really stupid point. We only get dumber. Uh, to make it even worse, we throw in horribly racist stereotypes. I'm with you there. Uh, we'll dive we into up, that for sure. We end up seeing some weird baby in a food trough in the middle of a four, <laughs> like a first century baby in a 14th century, not even wooden stable. I don't know what the heck they were going for. There was no continuity in the in the even the uh, the the scenery of this. It was just everything about this was awful, absolutely awful. I had no sympathy when the sheep almost died. That is how this <gasps> is. And all I could think when they took the camel away was good. I'm glad these animals are getting away from their abuser. 
Maybe the maybe the magi will treat them better than this guy who's forcing them to be bipedal and perform in the middle of a friggin' desert. It made no sense. None of it makes sense. There is a lot to dig in there. <laughs> I've got a lot. I've got notes. I have notes. Oh, terrible. This is exciting because the last time I remember you taking notes was that Easter Bunny is coming to town, and you that. <laughs> that <was> awesome. <laughs> well. Buckle up, folks. We're along for a bumpy ride. And you know what? When I entered this, I'm like, I'm not going to get worked up. I'm going to stay agreeable. And nope. uh, no, that didn't. Ha- that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I do remember this one from childhood. <laughs> I remember like I don't remember as much as, you know, Rudolph and Frosty and all the classics, though, the more well-known ones. But I, I don't hate it, but... I am with you, Tom, that there are definitely some problems with it, including racial stereotypes. Also, welcome back to the world of Rankin-Bass, where it's like an interconnected shared universe and no continuity whatsoever, because where's Nestor? Where's the donkey that carried Mary? The long-eared donkey, which we covered. Uh, I like I like Nestor better than I like this. Wow. Well, I do too, but I love Nestor. <laughs> um, so while you may not like it, Tom, and while Julia might be okay-ish with it, a lot of people did. This spawned a direct sequel, The Little Drummer, the Little Drummer Boy 2, which came out in 1978. At the rate that Ranking Bass was vomiting up content for money, I don't think that that means a thing at all. They did the <laughs> Christmas Leprechaun, the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. Like, just because they made it doesn't mean that anybody liked it. Okay, touche. That's a fair point. These sadists were hellbent on torturing the audience. So, so inter- <laughs> interesting piece of trivia. This is the second Christmas special Rankin Bass did after Rudolph, which explains why when I was watching it, it looked, the animation was a bit shoddy compared to some of their later specials. A bit? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Fair. A lot shoddy. It I was think also that little drummer boy should have seen a doctor. He was having some serious <laughs> neurological defects while he was trying to walk. <laughs> so it's the same people involved behind the scenes. It was written by Romeo Muller, who proclaimed until the day he died this was his favorite of all the specials they produced. It was directed by Julian Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr., and it stars Greer Garson as the narrator. Teddy Eccles as Aaron, a.k.a. the little drummer boy. Jose Ferrer as Ben Harimad, an awfully racist caricature, which I noticed the minute he popped up on screen. Paul Freeze is back, playing Ali, Aaron's father, and the Magi. June Foray is back, playing Aaron's mother. And the Vienna Boys Choir sings the title song throughout the special. Which, that's another famous version of the song. No. So, let's walk through this plot. And it's not chronological in the special, but let's take it chronologically. I mean, if we've got a boys' choir, I would rather talk about the history of Gestrato than uh, delve into this film. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a whole podcast on that topic. So... Aaron is a young boy who lives on a farm with his parents and all his animals, including Samson the donkey, Baba the lamb, and Joshua the camel. 
And on his birthday, they give Aaron a drum, which for some reason, the minute he starts playing it, the animals begin dancing and smiling <laughs> to the music. One night, tragedy strikes this little boy <laughs> and they kill Aaron's parents and burn their farm down. Really dark. <laughs> really dark. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is only two years, a few years after Santa told Donna what an abomination he was for giving birth to a different looking child. At least <laughs> Nestor had heart. The whole Nestor show movie at least had heart. This has no heart. <laughs> but Aaron, this causes Aaron to hate humanity. Humans, humans, people, everybody. Everyone, except animals. But so he hits the road with these three animals, essentially. And that's how he makes money, performing with them, beating his mm. drum. And they dance on <laughs> their two legs and smile and laugh. And one day, though, he is kidnapped. He is kidnapped, right? He's forced to join Ben yes. Haramad's yeah. caravan. And basically forced to perform like a monkey in a zoo to, you know, bring in money, scam people out of their money, essentially. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the character who did this. Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> <laughs> Voiced by Kelsey Grammer. No. I mean, um, let's, do, let's dive into this character. I just want to read an excerpt that came from... Uh, so, so you... I had to go look because I felt I can't be the only person who finds this this depiction disturbing. And I found that going back to 1991, there was an article in the New York Times where the um, the Arab um, the American Arab Anti Discrimination Committee called for this movie to be pulled because the guy who kidnaps him, what's his name, uh, Ben Ben Haramad, is portrayed as a money grubbing, fat, ugly, hook nosed kidnapper as an Arab, and the the way they compare it they say we are particularly concerned that this film feeds the wrong message about arabs to children how would this look if you had a, a little arab drummer and the bad guys were money grabbing jewish men it's i'm just gonna say if that were the case if it, the shoe were on that foot if that were the depiction it would not be on the air anymore so so normally i am one to give rinkin bass grace i'm the rinkin bass fan on this podcast but the minute this guy and his little minion whatever his name was showed up on screen the exaggerated features not only were their features exaggerated like their hook noses but their skin was darker than every other character you met as well who are supposedly mm -hmm. the good characters it was a clear racial stereotype it really bothered me I'm actually, I am actually surprised it never was pulled for that. But one day, Ben Haramad forces Aaron and his animals to perform in Jerusalem. And I guess Aaron is pissed off because the townspeople start laughing at their performance, which I didn't view it as laughing at their performance so much as they were enjoying the performance. And he like lashes out at them. And calls them like yeah. thieves and knaves. And like this little kid is a terror. Yeah, he's got anger issues. He goes like full Charles Bronson. And I, and I don't understand why all that happened where his parents were killed <laughs> before his very eyes. You didn't see Harry Which, turn out that way? No, no Harry that's very Potter true. loved everybody and wanted to help after years and years of, abu of abuse. Uh, you didn't see Dexter turn, I mean, Dexter turned into a killer, but he never lashed out in anger. 
<laughs> I don't know. Was it was it Rudolph that had the um what's it called? Horribly honest trailers or yes. whatever that was. This one needs one of those because some of his like angry eyes are like serious. This is back toward the beginning of Rankin Bass's specials where the googly eyes are on a full display compared to later yeah. specials. Yeah. <laughs> but angry eyebrows. This kid, all I could think of was because Ben kidnapped this kid, essentially forced him to join his troop. All I could uh-huh. think of was when you're younger, you know, you get a lot of parents telling their kids, you know, if you were kidnapped, they'd return you if, because of the way you mouth off to us. And all I could think of was like, yeah, yeah, this kid is would fall into that category. Oh. Why, is, why is this guy keeping him? <laughs> So in their travels, this troop comes upon three kings, the Magi, who are following a bright star in the sky. Ben is very happy because they look rich. They're kings, you know, so he tries to get there. Two kings. Three kings. (laughs) Do you think Paul Fries is happy he didn't have to play the villain in this one? Probably. (laughs) Would you be happy if you had it? Would you be happy if you watched this after it was done? Would you be happy if you were involved in any way? <laughs> I mean, he kept coming back after this. <laughs> Again. Must, must have been a nice paycheck. So they try to perform for the Magi who are completely uninterested because they're in a hurry to reach the star's destination. They're following the star. Obviously, as students of the Bible and Christmas lovers, we know what the star is. As anyone who watching the special shouldn't know except maybe the youngest of children unfortunately one of the king's camels becomes too weak to continue traveling so so ben takes um aaron's beloved joshua and sells him to the king to one of the kings in exchange for gold and again they're just okay with this they leave this other camel to die essentially that's what we're meant to yeah and they are on their way. Aaron refuses to take the gold, the one piece of gold from Ben, who offers it as a consolation, and decides to just up and leave with his cam- with his um, donkey and his sheep after the Magi to go after his camel. Which, if he could leave any time, why, why didn't he do he it earlier? Do that begin with. <laughs> Once they reach their destination, <laughs> they recognize Joshua, and when they go to reunite with him, a Roman chariot runs down out of the way vagabond <laughs> runs down this baba the sheep which it was pretty violent this poor sheep yeah. looked dead he dead dead or at least you're supposed to believe he was dead were you i thought he was like a death Thanks, star yeah. either way as a kid i could see being horrified by this yeah and so aaron is horrified he picks up baba and goes to one of the magi who say they can't do anything to help but maybe the baby can why don't you go in the stable and, uh, you know, essentially see if it can help. So mm-hmm. I will say this, this scene in the stable, I know it's a stable, Tom, I'm sorry, is very, I like the way it's lit and staged with the bright lights and everything like that. Like, I thought, I thought it was very well done, this last scene. And Aaron, he walks upon this family, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, He doesn't know why he's so overcome with emotion, but he clearly is. You can see his anger melt away, and he's like, I have no gift to bring. So he decides to play his drum. And 
Mary nods and the animal, the ox and lamb keep time. Hilarious because the animation could not keep time with the music, which was all I could think of when I was watching it. Um, <laughs> at all. I was thinking, oh, man, man, I was thinking, man, if there's one time you really need to sync up that audio, it's for that one line, and they couldn't even yeah. do that. <laughs> but um as I think really so- stirs a crowd up like a single drum, by the way. <laughs> Right? It makes you it makes you think like, man, the song feels Christmassy and beautiful, not yeah. because of the drum, but because of the no. beautiful vocals and all the other instruments. But when it's a right. drum alone, when it's a drum alone, mm, not <laughs> as effective. It's some at one point Mary is like looking at him and it's like reworked Mary that was four other different Rankin Bass characters, right? From four other movies. But she's looking at him and you can tell she's thinking, like, this is interesting. But A for effort. <laughs> like, well, when's he well, going to stop? One of the Magi was definitely Santa. Like, reworked Santa. Like, that phase yes. when Santa's getting old, it, like, before yeah. he gets really old, it was totally yeah. Santa. Yeah. So, as a sign of gratitude, uh, Baba's healed by the baby, I guess. Just magically gets up and runs into Aaron's arms and filling his heart with joy and the end. Magic baby powers. Yeah, Magic the end. Ba- the a, end. It just ends. The end. Old- Next, please. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's so abrupt. How are we supposed to even know that was Jesus? I mean, according to you, it's not chest. because he's not in a he had, stable. He's in he a stable. Around him. So did Moses. Moses sh- shown on Mount after he came down from Mount Tabor with the uncreated light, just like Jesus. <laughs> we get no resolution to Aaron's story, though. Like, we they, don't know if he got better. We don't no know. We don't know if he got better. You know, his family was exactly his family was torn away. What's this kid doing now? Is he still living on the streets with his animals? Now that's why they made the second because I guess people cared. Way they were way more invested in him than I was. Well, in in the sequel, Aaron and his animal friends team team up with one of the magi to protect silver bells which are made to ring for christ's arrival from a band of greedy roman soldiers so i guess he teams up with the magi i don't know i don't remember the sequel as much but i mean that makes me at least feel a little bit better if you got with the magi i guess that's a decent <laughs> resolve so so tom i know you have to have other notes <laughs> you wrote down so i think i've gone through a lot of them as we went along like it really bothers me the entire premise the way this shakes out the the Magi can obviously uh, sense some level of, of anxiety, some tension here between between Aaron and and racist stereotype, and they're just like okay with it. He steals he steals his donkey, and he's like no, or his camel. He's like no, that's my camel. And they're like okay, here's your money, peace, and hope you don't you know they don't. Well, they if don't you want to talk about the camel, that's really disturbing. The fact that you would just leave an animal to die. They could have at least like put out of its misery <laughs> the problem was that he the, the problem was that he was too too heavy laden they could have at least wa- walked him along let him hang out with them so you want to talk racial stereotypes so remember back in the day these christmas specials were sponsored right like that like coke sponsored and gave money to charlie brown christmas and everything this special was financed by the gas industry. So you have a special in the Middle East with a bunch of Arab characters that was sponsored by the gas industry. Oh my gosh. Because during the original airing, narrator Green Garson wished the viewers a Merry Christmas on behalf of the Little Drummer Boy cast and the gas industry. Just the whole gas industry. <laughs> all in. 
Also, fun bit of trivia, fun from IMDb for you. Biblically, this is complete fiction. Tom, did you write? <laughs> did you write that? No, I didn't think it needed to be said. There was no drummer boy, and there's also no reason for us to believe that the uh, the manger was that crowded. I mean, that was a little intense. Why were there yeah, so that it was sol- that well Why attended. were there soldiers? What were they doing? It was, it was very well attended. Very. It was. It was. So we did kind of, though, at the end, get a resolution to Aaron's hate problem because the narrator does say at the end, Aaron's heart was filled with joy and love, and he knew at last that the hate he had carried there was wrong, as all hatred will ever be wrong, for more powerful, more beautiful by far than all the eons of sadness and cruelty and desolation which had come before was that one tiny crystalline second of laughter. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And at that moment, his heart grew three sizes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it clearly had a Linus moment. Yeah, sure. So, Julia, why do you like this one more than a lot of the Rankin-Bass ones we've covered? Okay, it comes down to, like, really, one, maybe you could argue two things. Um, The songs were enjoyable. Like, they were catchy. And the words were mostly made sense um that's the little half of a point half of credit that it gets it's different to me than most other ink and bass the other one is like there wasn't a lot of trippy stuff in it the it was really disturbing with when the camel became like a spider on the ground and that kind of freaked me out just a little bit when he was yeah. dancing and he was like, like four on the floor and i don't know he kind of freaked me out but like aside from the totally racist stuff and correct. all of that. Well, yeah, <laughs> the storyline didn't have any acid trip moments in it to me, which I really appreciated. Right. There was no like witch thrown in there. And there was like, I don't know, the story in and of itself was pretty simple. They kept it pure, um, I guess. Yeah. Comparatively speaking. Yes. And I think that's why I enjoyed it more than some of the other Rankin Bass fair. You didn't miss All of the issues aside. You didn't miss the Lord of the Rings esque uh, island of misfit toys with the giant <laughs> snow monster and uh, mean Santa who berated Rudolph's father for <laughs> for bearing, having his wife bear a son with a red nose. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. That, no, you know what's shameful? Neither of us in Todd's melee thought about that reindeer when he asked who's the word meanest to Santa's reindeer. <laughs> oh, gracious, gracious. So this one, like all Rankin Bass, it gets a lot of people to comment. Um, this one, like you said, Julia, seems split down the middle. People actually like it or mm-hmm. they don't. There's no, eh, it was okay. Jerry D wrote, not 100% historically accurate, but definitely has a charm. Mm-hmm. Not three percent historically accurate. That's no charm. <laughs> Fight me, Jerry. Fight me. Matt Yurich wrote, "I love this one. Never fails to give me the feels." I get the feels too. I get a lot of feels when I watch this. They're just probably not the same ones Matt's talking about. And Matt Spalding is on your side, Tom. He wrote, "Oof, easily my least favorite of the bunch." Mike Westfall <laughs> wrote, "One star in the night should have become a classic Christmas song." <laughs> <laughs> I love Mike always has the funniest Dude, he's amazing <laughs> yeah. I love his podcast yeah if you haven't yet check out at check out Advent Calendar House because 
It's definitely one of the best Christmas podcasts out there. Mike's an awesome guy. Yep. Uh, Glenn Warren, for our whole thing about has definitely one of the darker ringing bass concepts and uh, kind of reflected the emotions of the nation at the time, which was interesting, mm-hmm. like about hippies and the JFK assassination and Martin Luther King assassination and things like that. And the hordes uh, of hippies. And the hordes of hippies, which All I don't know if it, was Tom or, if it was Tom or Julia who wrote Parade of Hippies, band name. That was, was it Julia? That was, was Julia, not me. Danielle Essery. <laughs> Essery wrote, growing up, I used to watch all the traditional Ring and Bass animations around Christmas. Then a couple years ago, it sunk in. I really don't have to do so. I, ca- <laughs> I, ca- <laughs> I, I kept it up for a while because they're sort of a family tradition, but I have never truly enjoyed The Little Drummer Boy or Nestor. Both are too depressing for my taste. Those two are happily no longer part of my yearly Christmas schedule. I remember watching the fire scenes in this as a kid and already questioning why this was included as traditional Christmas fair. Rudolph, Santa Claus is going to town. The year without Santa Claus are still on my list. <laughs> I have to, I have to applaud her for being blunt because I feel like a lot of people, because of the nostalgia and it was a tradition growing up, have a hard time cutting things out that maybe like they'd be happier if they didn't. So good for you, yeah. good for you, Danielle. No, that is that is a legit. That's a healthy call out. Healthy. Uh, and Courtney Mendoza on Instagram wrote, "The Little Drummer Boy was always one of the annual movies in my house growing up. It's not part of my canon now, even though I often watch it. I enjoy the songs and choral music, but it's so sad." So, <laughs> yeah, I think though, Julia, what you said, Danielle, that was like one of the healthiest comments we've ever gotten. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just yeah. realized I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can apply that to things other than Christmas, can't you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, it obviously, it's a Linus moment. <laughs> I mean, it kind of hits yep. you over the head with its Linus moment at the end. Yes. Uh, is it a yes. is it a Christmas film? Is, yeah. it, is it a Christmas special? I didn't yes. feel very Christmassy. There were no trees, no lights, no Santa. I mean, no, but the birth of Christ, it has to be. <laughs> Tom's not 100% sure that is, that is Christ. He's not his yeah, Christ. That's I don't know sure. who that is. I don't know who that is. <laughs> but Tom, he miraculously, at like an hour old, healed that sheep. Maybe magic that sheep up well, to I mean, living again. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say that wouldn't have been possible. It was God in human form. So... You think we you look like Baby Yoda when he was doing it? Well, no, we had the we had the hypostatic, <laughs> and then he fell asleep right after because yeah, because he got he's so still off. <laughs> now be a good time to go on a, go on a long diatribe about the hypostatic union of Christ. No, okay, we'll just keep going. One of these days, you you really should start a Patreon series about you know theology with yeah. Tom. I think people really would enjoy that. I now have four people asking me to do a theology podcast. You should. You should. So, I, need to figure out, I need to figure out some stuff first. With all that before, extra time. <laughs> before we do rank this, I do want to say, based on 13 reviews, whole 13 reviews, it has a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Sites critical consensus reads, The Little Drummer Boy is a mature addition to the Rankin Bass catalog with a powerful conclusion that compensates for this special's dour storytelling and unpolished animation. It is unpolished. 
It's definitely wow. There's a part in the very beginning where they've got that procession, right? Where everybody's walking to register their families and all that stuff. And at one point, a couple just stops and like there's action around the couple, but like that couple don't move until a minute later. And then they start walking again. And I'm like, somebody forgot to move them. Somebody's in the crapper because they did not move that couple and they were supposed to. Oh, we also had some uh, some conservative <laughs> politics in that moment where they talk about the unfair taxes. Oh. <laughs> which is, again, not a biblical thing. Nobody in the Bible complained about the taxes. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know where they got that line from, except for the uh, oil industry, I'm assuming. What was interesting to me about the unpolished nature of this show, though, I purchased this on Vudu. Did you guys watch it on my Vudu? Yes. I watched it on Daily Motion for free. Okay, so, but Julia, did you notice, like, when I purchased the other Ranking Bass specials, they cleaned up the imagery a bit, like, made it clearer and stuff. Not I guess one. they they had no interest in cleaning up this one, because it nope. must not be as popular as, like, yep. Rudolph. But I guess, you're it, was it, it was grainy. It was so grainy. And some of this, the, the sounds, especially at the beginning, were like, yeah. And you're like, oh, tape's moving too slow. Speed it up. So, yeah. what would y'all rank this? I wouldn't if I had a choice. <laughs> I'm going to do 4.5 because I gave Nestor a 4 and I like this more than Nestor. What? Mm. Yeah. I- I'm actually going to go. I gave Nestor an 8.25. I'm going to go with a 6. I liked Nestor more. Can you tell me what I got Nestor in my computer? So I'm pulling it up. Nest- you gave Nestor uh, a 2. 2. All right. I'm going in at a solid. Point nine. Ooh, that's not a solid it. number. <laughs> solid that, gives, that gives us an average of 3.8, which puts that number 27 on the list between Robbie what? the Reindeer, Hooves of Fire, and the Snowman. This is our Christmas special list, not our main list. Oh, so right, 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 right. 27 right. is like toward the bottom. So, so there you have it. I, well, and a little interesting piece of trivia for y'all, which I'm sure Julia in particular will be interested to hear. So with the little drummer boy, we have officially in the four and a half years we've been doing this podcast, however long it's been, almost four years, whatever it's been, we've covered 10 Rankin Bass Christmas specials, and we have seven to go with two of them on the list for later this year, one of which will be December, it was the night before Christmas, and one of which will be in the coming weeks, the first Christmas snow. Hasn't it been almost five years? Yeah, I don't know how long it's been. 2017, August 2017. So it'll be five years. Jude was August. around. When... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it'll be four years. We'll be on year five. Four years going into year five after once we hit August, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Go crazy. We have gone through the catalog, huh? We really have. Ranking I mean, Bass catalog. We hit all the big ones, the more famous ones. A lot of the ones we have left are like traditionally animated stuff, which might be more palatable since Frosty was to you because it was more traditional. So we'll see. I know that while we have a lot of Rankin Bass love, like from people like Jerry and McLean Slaughter and Matt Urich, I know that people like Stephen Beach will be on your side when we run through the catalog officially. But don't worry, all, because it just means we can <laughs> turn to Easter and Halloween specials for, Patre- for Patreon. Oh, boy. That's a good thing? 
<laughs> thing. What else is a thing, Julia? That was a bad segue. But <laughs> like I could answer that lots of different ways. <laughs> Patreon is a thing, y'all. Patreon is a thing. We can give us money in exchange for content and goodies. We have a lot of new content. Anthony just did Godzilla vs. Donkey Kong or whatever. Um, and Shouldn't that be Yoshi versus Donkey Kong? Wouldn't Godzilla be? He was fighting a giant monkey. Godzilla versus Donkey yeah, Kong, Yeah, but right? isn't, isn't Yoshi a dino? <laughs> oh, I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, so Anthony just covered uh, Yoshi versus Donkey Kong on our Patreon. You can check that out where he talks. I, I don't know because I've never seen them, but apparently uh, people enjoyed it and had fun. We talked to Ron Hogan and Jay and Jay. Oh, I did know who you talked to. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Filmstorm Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Who are awesome. I love those guys. We've got a recent WandaVision episode. There's just a lot of fun stuff there. Plus, we've still got some extra pins that we need to get homes. We need to get home, rehomed, and some stickers. So there's all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, um, if you... Just if you want to buy an episode where you get to pick what we talk about and join us, that's an option too. Just head over to tizthepodcast.com slash Patreon. But we do not make our friends pay to be our friends. There are other ways you can get involved, right, Julia? There are other ways you can get involved. Um, the easiest way and the most fun way would be to just engage with us on our social media sites and all of our awesome listeners as well. Uh, you can find any of our social media presences by going to tisthepodcast.com backslash Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, Reddit. Um, I think that's all of them. Um, different conversations in different places, but our most active is our Facebook group. Um, we have lots of amazing listeners. You can meet and talk to other Christmas podcast hosts there as well, which will lead you to their Christmas podcast site on Facebook, which we would encourage you to do because we are in a really fantastic Christmas podcast community with just so much good content to get you through the year. Um, so come and talk to us. Let us know what you think about the little drummer boy. Um, let us know what you're excited about us covering in the next year, which may give us some ideas. And just talk to us. So I do want to say about Patreon, we have lots of fun stuff coming on. I'm doing a Space Jam retrospective before the new one comes out with a, new, with a listener. That's recording soon. We're doing a retrospective on The Conjuring before the new one comes out with Ron Hogan and his friend Lindsay, which will be fun. That's the beauty of HBO Max, the concurrent releases with the theatrical releases, right? Like we can do these retrospectives and then do the new one like right away as soon as mm -hmm. they hit. And I am starting to, last year we dropped like a Halloween movie a week on Patreon. Like besides the mm -hmm. uh, annual Halloween episode that three of us did, I did episodes with a bunch of listeners just to cover other horror fare for Halloween lovers. And I'm doing that again this year. Lots of stuff lined up with people you know and love. So if you're not a patron, now is the time to join because we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. And if you like even more just podcast content, tune into our Thursday episodes and listen to another Christmas story. The episode that just dropped on Thursday was read by Scarlett of Netflixmas. So yes. check it out. She's awesome. She has a great reading voice. Everyone yes. who's done it has had a great reading voice. So check it out. And then 
on the show proper next week, we're finally covering almost Christmas after I screwed up the schedule a few weeks ago. So that's finally coming. And then the week after that, we are. Oh, Anthony, that wasn't your fault. That was outside of your control. No, we weren't. That the schedule was off. I don't want you to feel guilt for that. Tom weirdness. Tom weirdness. I'm being respectful of Anthony and, and what he goes through in life, and I don't want him to feel guilty for needing to take Anthony. <laughs> oh, I'm being I, compassionate and caring, Anthony. I appreciate that, Tom. Well, thank you. I don't really appreciate being mocked when I'm trying to be so loving. <laughs> the week after almost Christmas, we're journeying to the land of straight word choice. Sorry. The week after almost Christmas, we're heading to the land of straight to straight to home videos Disney sequels, or or in this case, midquel. And we're gonna be covering Beauty and the Beast, the Enchanted Christmas. Have y'all seen that, by the way? I, I it's have. been a minute, but yeah. And it's I think, weird. Yeah, I was about to say that one will be interesting. I mean, you have Tim Curry there as a villain, which is always cool, but then you have a really annoying sidekick villain, which is not as cool. But I'll be curious <laughs> to see what everyone thinks about that one. <laughs> you know what's exciting, y'all? We only have 5,856 hours until Christmas. That's 244 days. That is 30 plus four weeks. It's insane because this episode is our last main episode of April. We are officially one third of the way through the year. That one's a fast one. Yeah. That's what she said. That's, yeah. That's what Ben Shapiro's wife said. (laughs) 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 Anyway, do your homework, y'all, and we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Yeah.